Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, uh, quite an introduction, and uh, I kind of feel like um, the dog that uh, was lost and ran an ad in the paper. And they said, we've lost our dog. Uh, he's dearly loved by our family. He limps on one leg. He's blind in one eye. Half of one ear is missing. He goes by the name Lucky. <laughs> if you find him, please bring him home. Pastor Dan, thank you so much for opening up your pulpit to me. It's a joy to be here. It really is. Thank you. You know, your pastor has a great reputation. I know you know that. I know you know he's a man of integrity, but I want to tell you, I've always respected Pastor Dan when he was serving here as the minister of music and as the pastor, and my respect and admiration of him went up a number of notches when uh, I found out that they had uh, discussed the possibility of Michael coming to serve here on staff. And here's what I discovered, that Pastor Dan wanted to speak with me. And so we set up a time, had a phone conversation, and he said these words to me. We would love to have Michael come. I know he's spoken with you, but we want your blessing. Now, first of all, normally a pastor doesn't call another pastor if he's going to hire a staff member. So I appreciate that, but it was my son. And here's what he said. I want you to listen. He said... If you don't think this is of the Lord and we don't have your blessing, we will stop our discussions and will not take another step. And I said, give me about three years to think about it and I'll let you know. <laughs> no, we actually knew this was the will of the Lord and thank you for uh, our, the opportunity for Michael to come and serve you here as well. He loves serving with you and Pastor Ben as well. So. I, uh, I have a message for you today. I uh, believe the Lord has given this to me, but uh, this is not supposed to be a, a Bell family thing, but I do want to share a story by request about Michael so you'll know Michael a little better. Is that okay? When Michael was four years old, the kids were out playing. We have five kids, and he's the fourth of those five children. They were all fairly close in age, and one day, he was four, the kids came running in the house and said, Mom, mom, dad, dad, Michael ate a slug. You know those shellless, snail-looking things? Michael said, I did not. Yes, he did. All the other kids, they were certain that Michael had eaten a slug. And so we got them calmed down. Okay, settle down, settle down, it's okay. Short time later, I had to go run some errands, so I asked Michael if he wanted to go with me. So we're in the car, just the two of us, and I said, Michael, um, Dad wants to ask you a question, and you can tell Dad the truth, it's just the two of us. Michael, did you eat a slug? He said, well, I kind of tasted it. <laughs> Trying not to show my shock, I said, oh, Michael, what did it taste like? Well... Tastes kind of like a roly-poly, he said. <laughs> you just can't make that stuff up. Well, as I was praying about what uh, the Lord would have me share today, I feel like the Lord gave me a message for you. It's a good message. It's a message with the promise in it, and I want to talk to you today about 
margin. M-A-R-G-I-N. Would you say that word with me? Margin. Margin is a space between two things. The space on a printed book between the print and the edge of the paper is called the? The space between revenue and expenses in a business is called the profit. By the way, you know, uh, this is just a tidbit, but supermarkets operate, at least they used to, on like a one to one and a half percent profit margin. And that means they have to sell a lot of groceries in order to make money. But it's the profit margin. It's not so much how big it is, but the fact that it's there. There's something called the margin of error. It's the space between accuracy and an estimate. You know, when they do all these polls, when the elections come around, if you pay attention, it'll always say plus or minus so many points of margin of error. There's something called the margin of victory. That's the space between the winner and the person who comes in second who is called the loser, right? Margin of victory. But I want to talk to you today about lifestyle margin. The space between work and rest. The space between activity and reprieve. You see, God knew we would need margin in our lives. So in his wisdom, when he created us before sin came into the world. That's important we understand that. This is before sin entered the world. When God created us, he made provision for us to have margin in our lives. He knew there would be a tendency for us to overcommit, to fill our lives with too much activity. And so he created a space between weekly work for us to rest and recover. I'm going to read that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 31. You can follow along as I read this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God saw, this is verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I don't know if you do this, but I'd like to have you read this out loud with me. The first three verses of Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Here's what I want us to see. After God created man on day six, on man's first full day of existence, what did he experience? He experienced a day of rest. That's how important God wanted us to see that this is. He wanted us to get that this is a priority. You know, there's the principle of first use or first encounters. This was so important to God that not only did God rest, but he created man, and the first full day that man had, he entered into a day of rest. Now, that would be really interesting if you took a new job, and you're all ready, and you show up, and they say, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take a day of rest. You see, before God gave, before Adam had the opportunity to cultivate the garden, 
Before Adam had the opportunity to put his hand and effort into doing what God had asked him to do, God said, let's just take a moment, let's wait, and let's rest. Now, the word Sabbath is not used in Genesis chapter 1 or chapter 2 that we just read. But that's another word for margin is Sabbath. And so just so we wouldn't forget, not only did God show this to us in Genesis, but then he would reinforce it by giving it to us as one of the Ten Commandments. You know the Ten Commandments, don't you? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make an idol for yourself in the form of anything. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, wife, or property. And I didn't do these in the order, but here's the one I want us to realize. Remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Now let me ask you a question. Which one of these Ten Commandments is it okay to break? None of them. You shall have no other gods before me. That's still in place. Worshiping idols or images, still not okay. Taking the Lord's name in vain, I think we all agree we need to keep that commandment. That shall not murder, shall not commit adultery. These are out of bounds. These are guidelines God still expects us to follow. Don't steal, don't lie. How many of you believe all these still apply today? Raise your hand. They do, don't they? And here it is, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. I'm going to propose to you, this is the only commandment we break and brag about it. Man, I've been so busy, haven't had a day off in forever. You know, we're doing this, that, taking the kids here, there, going to this, that. Can I just tell you, the Sabbath margin, that margin, that day of rest, is a gift from God to you. And he wants you to practice it. Deuteronomy chapter 5, this is the New Living Translation. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. And I want you to read this last verse with me. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest On the Sabbath day. Now I told you I felt this is a word for you. I've never preached this message before, Pastor Dan. This is something I believe the Lord's speaking to us today. When we do not honor the Sabbath principle, we are living like slaves instead of sons. Did you read what we just read? Did you see it? He said, you used to be slaves. And let me just put that in context. When you were slaves, you didn't have control of your schedule. You worked like dogs day in and day out. 
week in and week out without a break. You did not have the ability or the right or the freedom to choose and when you could take off. But now you are no longer slaves. You are God's people. This is why God wants you to take a day of rest. It's pretty powerful, really, isn't it? I think God's serious about us understanding the Sabbath. A weekly Sabbath, I'll call it that. Now, we're not going to get legalistic, so don't jump ahead. A Sabbath is the birthright of every living person. We see it, as we read it, in Genesis. Ratified and vindicated by God, who represents Jesus even honored the Sabbath. He even said the Sabbath was made for man. And Jesus, as we'll read, is the Lord of the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, let's go to Mark chapter 2, verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now, I realize I've jumped from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But I want us to understand that Jesus was not negating the Sabbath. He was actually bringing new insight to us on what the Sabbath was. Here's the New Living Translation of that verse. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. Let that sink in. The Sabbath was made to meet your needs. God created the Sabbath for your sake, not for the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. You see, legalism gets it flipped upside down. Religion, religiosity, religious spirit gets it in reverse where you have to follow the rules because it's the rules. And Jesus said, God didn't give us this as a rule to keep. God gave us this as a gift for our own well-being. I won't read Mark chapter 2, but Jesus one day with his disciples was walking through a field of grain. And they began, because they were hungry, they began to take the grain, rub it between their hands to get the chaff off of it. And they would put the pieces of grain in their mouth. And they were criticized by the religious leaders because that was working on the Sabbath. And you're supposed to honor the Sabbath. And Jesus said, wait a minute, guys. Don't you remember reading that David, when he had a need, he actually ate the showbread? That was only for the priest. It was set before the Lord. But when he had a need, that he, he utilized that because God's provision for him, God's blessing actually would trump the, the legality, I guess I could call, of the showbread being on the table. Mark chapter 3, he entered a synagogue, Jesus. There was a man who had a withered hand, and so they watched him closely. Whether he would heal on the Sabbath... So you have to understand, by this time, there was such legalistic approach to the law that there were such restrictions about the Sabbath, which is not a bad thing, but they were waiting to see if Jesus would heal somebody on the Sabbath so they could accuse him of doing something wrong. So they watched him closely where they would heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, he said to the man with the withered hand, step forward. And Jesus healed this man. I won't read the rest of it. He healed this man and they got angry because Jesus did that on the Sabbath. You see, they're kind of missing the point, aren't they? As a matter of fact, 
I wish I could just point a finger at them, but sometimes I read how the Pharisees and Sadducees acted, and I see glimpses of that in my own life. And they said, listen, there are six other days that you can come and get healed. Come and get healed on those days. That's ludicrous, isn't it? And Jesus said what we read earlier, that the Sabbath was not made, I mean, the Sabbath was made for man, not man, for the Sabbath. Practicing the Sabbath principle is an act of obedience and faith. I'm switching here to start making an application. You see, this was an agrarian society. That means their lives depended upon a successful harvest. That means if you didn't plant and reap a good harvest, you would struggle to feed your family. So this was very important to them. But God in his wisdom not only told man that he needed to take a Sabbath, not only did they need to rest one day a week, but here's what he said, in seed time and in harvest, you still must honor the Sabbath. Now, is anybody here who actually grew up on a farm, I mean a real farm, like with corn or wheat or a you know, farm? I didn't have a chance to grow up. Oh, you grew up on a farm, Becky. That's fantastic. Now, I understand that when it's time to plant the seed, that's your focus. you got to get the seed in the ground while it's the right time. Otherwise, if you get it in too early, it could sprout, the freeze could come, and you'd lose the crop. If you get in too late, there's not enough time for it to grow. So you've got to get it in the ground at the right time. God said, even in seed time, when all the conditions are right, you still honor the Sabbath in your life. Now, I've also been told that harvest is very important and that when the grain and the crop is ready to harvest, you have to go get it quickly because if you don't get it and the rains come, it can ruin the harvest while it's still in the field. Well, God certainly understood that. So when the harvest comes... My understanding is is that is the focus of everyone on the farm is to get the harvest, conserve the harvest, get it safely into the barn. Well, that sounds like the heart of God, doesn't it? Get it safely into the barn. But God said, even in the time of harvest, you cannot neglect the Sabbath. You see, for them to practice the Sabbath, it not only was an act of obedience, but it was an act of faith. So here's a farmer, knowing his field need to be brought in, but when the Sabbath comes, he's ceasing from his work to honor God. But God not only told man that he needed a Sabbath, God said the ground needs a Sabbath. The ground needs margin. Not only do you need margin, but the very ground that gives you food to eat needs margin. And God said that every seven years, This ground that's producing food for you needs to lie fallow. Leviticus chapter 25. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you'll prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year, it's the seventh day Sabbath. You see the the pattern here? Seventh year shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. A Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. You see the act of faith that this takes? In an agrarian society, 
God says, every seven years, you've got to let this land lie fallow. If you actually read a little bit further, chapter 25, here's what he says. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year, since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce? Verse 21, can you read this out loud with me if we bring it up there? I'm not sure if I have it on the screen or not. Leviticus 25, verse 21. Read it out loud with me. Then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, and it will bring forth produce enough for three years. You see, God promises If you'll honor the Sabbath, I'll command my blessing. How many of you want God to command his blessing over your life? Absolutely. What a powerful promise. God is saying to us, not only to the people then, but he's saying to us today, if you'll honor the Sabbath principle in your life, I will command my blessing over your life. Of course, they didn't have modern technology. They didn't have the, the, the ability to really see what was in the dirt like we do today. But God in his wisdom, he created that very earth. And he knew that when that land rested, that the minerals would be replenished. That those things that it needed to produce a good crop would be replenished as it, as it would lay fallow for that year. God knew that it would make the soil produce better in the other six years. So I want to make sure we're following this. God created this margin for our good. It's so important to God that he put it in the Ten Commandments so we wouldn't forget. And God commands his blessing. It's an act of faith and obedience when we honor the Sabbath principle. But look at this. God releases his blessing even today when we honor the Sabbath. Isaiah 58, I know I have a lot of scriptures, and the reason I did that, so we would see this thread all the way through how important the Sabbath is. Isaiah 58 says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, let me tell you what that means. If you'll stop working on the Sabbath. If you'll stop striving on the Sabbath. If you'll stop doing your pleasure if you'll call the Sabbath a delight. In other words, recognize it as a gift, as a holy day to the Lord. Then you can delight yourself in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. This principle applies in the modern age just like it did in the the days of the Old Testament and the times of Christ. We're not in a grand society, but the principles of honoring the Sabbath still apply today. And I'm going to bring some application here. Let me share a couple of stories. Have you ever heard of R.G. Letourneau? He was an inventor. He invented uh, earth-moving equipment. As a matter of fact, they say that no one affected that industry more than R.G. Letourneau. He had these ideas which he attributed to God, a fine Christian man attributed to God that God would bring him ideas of how to build these pieces of equipment that could move tons and tons and tons of earth. Do you know that during World War II when we were in the height of the war, the U.S. government was requiring all of the, all of the companies that were providing for the military, which included his company, they were providing equipment for the war effort. They required them to work seven days a week, sometimes 24 hours a day, to keep these shifts, to keep these supplies going. 
But R.G. Letourneau refused to do it. He said, nope, my people need a day of rest. And so they couldn't force him to do it. Here's what's interesting. When they began looking at the information, his productivity from his people working six days a week was far greater than those that worked seven days a week. They understood that if you'll honor this resting, this margin that God's created, that God would release his blessing. Anybody here like Chick-fil-A? Can't go there for lunch today. I tell you, that goes, against, that goes against common sense today, doesn't it? I mean, every fast food restaurant you can think of is open on Sunday, but not Chick-fil-A because this Christian family recognized our employees need a day off. They need a day of rest. You may know this, but the average Chick-fil-A location averages $3.2 million a year in annual sales. That's 30% more than the average McDonald's. You think God has blessed them? I believe God has. Sure, give God praise. Sure. But Pastor Kermit, we're, we're in the New Testament. We're not in the Old Testament. Doesn't that make a difference? Absolutely. You don't get stoned to death if you break the Sabbath. In addition, let me make sure you hear me. This is a dispensation of grace. And here's what I believe that means. I don't believe the Sabbath has to be a specific 24-hour period in your life. I hate to disappoint some of you, but you don't have to get your Jewish challah bread ready on Friday at sundown and then do nothing from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Now, you certainly can do that, but what I'm proposing to you is that the principle is what God is looking for in our lives, not the mechanics of exactly how you do it. Are you, are you following me? I mean, after all, Sunday, that Laterno's company was shut down, and Sunday, Chick-fil-A, Sunday's not really the Sabbath. Everybody know what day the Sabbath really is? It was yesterday, Saturday. But if we're not careful, we take this rigid legalistic approach and it gets us into trouble. I had a professor at the university who shared this story. He was actually staying with the Jewish family and he needed to go pick something up. And they told him, well, it's the Sabbath, so you can't work on the Sabbath. So that means you cannot walk down the sidewalk because that's work. And today's a day of rest. But if you really need to go get this item, I can't remember what it was, you can cut across the yards and go to where you need to go, but you won't be breaking the Sabbath. So he takes off across the first yard, climbs a fence. The second yard, climbs a fence. Third yard, climbs a fence. By the time he got six houses down, he was sweating profusely and trying to figure out how this was not work and walking down the sidewalk was work. See, that's, that's what really taking a rigid approach will get us. So what does the Sabbath look like today? Well, I can tell you what it looks like in Israel. Parts of it. I was actually there with uh, our son Christopher's here visiting today as well. Christopher, you can wave your hand. 
and we have a third son, Joshua. Can I just tell you another funny story? Is that okay? Growing up as a pastor's son is not always easy. So um, one, one day, Michael actually sang a song in church. And, um, but after church was over, a lady in our ch- uh, uh, congregation went up to Joshua, who's redheaded. Michael's not redheaded. But told him, oh, I enjoyed your song so much today. And Joshua said, oh, no, no, that that wasn't me. I know, she said, it was the Lord. (laughs) And rather than try to explain, Joshua said, you're right. (laughs) But Christopher and Michael and I were in Israel several years ago. You guys will remember this. Uh, We were visiting some missionaries. We were staying in Haifa, and our apartment was in a very traditional Jewish neighborhood and they said now when Friday comes at sundown make sure you have everything you need because all the stores will be closed they'll be closed until Sunday morning and uh, you can't drive your car I said why not because they'll throw rocks at you well it was a rental car I didn't want them throwing rocks at the rental car and so sure enough sundown Friday came and everything came to a standstill as far as businesses now, you could still walk. So they said, if you want to come to our house, we'd like for you to come Saturday and just have some time in our home. So you have to walk. So we walked the 35 or 40 minutes or whatever it was to get down to their house. That's not what the Sabbath looks like for you today, okay? What does the Sabbath look like? Let me tell you what it's not. It's not a strict observation of a 24-hour period. You don't have to look at it that way. It's not creating a set of rigid rules that lead to absurd activity and legalism. Honoring the Sabbath today is not telling your pastor you can't serve at church because you're taking a day of rest. Just thought I'd put that in there. Amen. He didn't ask me to, but he knew he appreciates it. What is the Sabbath? We know kind of what it's not. What is it? It's being intentional about setting aside time to cease from your normal work. It's trusting the Lord to bless your efforts as you step back from workaholism. Let me say that again. It's trusting the Lord to bless you as you step back and actually step away from being a workaholic. It's bringing your life into balance so you can be replenished. And can I just say, you're much nicer when you're replenished. (laughs) It's learning to rest in God's ability. And I suggest that one thing you can do to help establish this rhythm of rest in your life is to put it on your calendar so other things will not interfere. Here's here's a crazy idea. Put your cell phone aside for half a day. You didn't like that idea. Come on, let's just be real. Aren't we addicted to our phones, our smartphones? Can I just tell you, if you're taking your phone to bed with you, that is not in balance. We're going to have an altar call in just a few minutes where you can confess. 
You see, we're so connected today, it's hard to create that margin, but God wants you to have this in your life so that you can be replenished, so that He can show His faithfulness, so that He can bless you. We might be surprised at what would happen if we would say, you know what, God, I'm going to stop striving so much, and I'm going to start trusting you more. Now, don't mistake, I'm not saying that you can only work 40 hours a week and that's it. You won't find that in the scripture. I'm, I'm thankful that's 40-hour work week if you have a job like that. Most people don't. But it's not saying that. I believe you can work hard. I believe you should have the best work ethic. I believe you can give it all and should give it all that you have when you're supposed to be working. But when it's time to rest, it is time to rest. Here's the last thought that I would challenge you with before I conclude. Whatever keeps you from honoring the Sabbath principle is an idol. Whatever prevents you from having this rhythm in your life is something that is taking precedence over your trust in God. So I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, and I believe he's speaking to all of us here, up in the balcony, down on the, on the main floor. You know, I have to tell you, it's humorous when I found out when I'd been invited that today was the day we all lose an hour of sleep. I thought, God, you're setting them up for the message. We all feel we need a Sabbath. I'm with you, Pastor Kermit. I need a Sabbath. I'm tired this morning. I hope you hear the heartbeat of God. It's for your good. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Up in the balcony, God is for you. And he put this in place so that you would be blessed and receive the benefit of it. I don't want to take something out of context and misapply it, but I'm, I'm reminded of a passage in the Old Testament that because they weren't walking in God's blessing, God says, You work hard for money to put it in pockets that have holes in it. You work hard to plant, and when you should have 50 bushels, you just have five bushels. You see, that's what self-effort can give us. But God wants you to enter into rest. He wants you to have margin in your life. Now that rest begins when you come to Christ. Isn't sin exhausting? <laughs> I'm talking to maybe a few people here today that, that you haven't really given your life to Christ yet. And can I tell you that the promise of God is a rest like you've never experienced before? Hebrews 4 says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, listen, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Read this this first sentence with me. For we who have believed do enter that rest. 
when you believe in Jesus and give your life to him, you enter into a rest. You begin to experience the Sabbath like you've never experienced before. You begin to rest from the striving. You begin to rest from carrying the weight of sin. And that is the first step. So let me just speak to those of you that are here who need to take that step this morning. I don't know your story particularly. Maybe you've been hanging around church. That's a good thing, but that doesn't make you a follower of Christ. It just makes you a churchgoer. Or maybe you grew up in a Christian family, or maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian family, but you're sitting here today, and it's not the lack of one hour of sleep that is weighing you down. It's really the sin in your life. Can I just tell you, Jesus wants to make the exchange of a lifetime? He wants you to lay down that burden of sin, and he wants to release his rest upon you. In a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. As a matter of fact, why don't you just close your eyes right now? If everyone you just close their eyes. I'm just... Wanting to give that man, that woman, to give you an opportunity to take this first step to enter into the rest. And then we're going to pray for all of us in just a few minutes. But if you're here and you'd say, Pastor Kermit, I I felt something here today that I haven't felt before. I I don't know exactly what it is, but I want that rest. I'm, I'm really tired of trying to do things in my own strength and... I need to give Jesus complete control of my life. I'm talking about being born again. I'm talking about turning from sin and turning to Christ. It's not complicated, but it is profound. It's not hard, but it does take courage. And if you're here and you would say, Pastor, come on, that really is me. I, I want to be forgiven of all my sin, and I'm tired of carrying the weight of that. I'm tired of the weariness that sin or trying to do life my own way is causing me. If that's you, I want you just to slip your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. Just slip it up now. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Who, Who would join these and just saying, Pastor, that's me. I want to be included in that prayer. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? I'd like for all of us to pray this out loud together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I want to enter into that rest. I confess I'm a sinner. And I'm turning from my sin. I'm professing Jesus as Savior. And declare he is alive today. Take my sins away, Lord. And give me new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for responding today. It marks a change in your life. 
And now you're entering into the rest of God. Now I want to speak to the rest of us just for a few moments. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you personally through this message? The Holy Spirit is so amazing. He knows exactly where you are. And I believe he's speaking to you specifically about what you need to do to honor the Sabbath principle. Maybe you're doing it very well. God bless you. Most of us still struggle. But we want this gift. So just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Holy Spirit, speak to us right now, each and every one. Now I'm going to ask you to do something that takes a little bit of courage as well. How many would say, Pastor Kermit, I need to grow in honoring the Sabbath principle in my life. I need the Lord to help me. I strive too much, I work too much, I worry too much. It could be a number of things, but you would just simply say, that's me, by standing to your feet and saying, Pastor, I want to grow in the Sabbath being evident in my life. Margin. The space between work and rest, between activity and reprieve. Now, here's what I'm going to pray for those that are standing. Thank you. I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit shows you the next step. I'm a strong believer in that. The Holy Spirit's practical. He's not speaking to you some ethereal, vague thing that you just need to try to do better. No, he's speaking to you specifically. And I'm going to pray that you'll have the courage to take the next step. Is that okay with you? Then we just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, we come before you as your people And we're so thankful that you are for us. We're so thankful that you created this day of rest. That you created the Sabbath principle for our benefit. And Lord, we're not going to work like slaves because we're sons. And we're going to honor you in obedience. And watch you release your blessing in a greater way. And I pray for every man, every woman... Every single person, every single parent that is standing, God, that you would show them the next step that they need to take to honor the Sabbath in your life, in their lives, for your glory. And if you agree to take that step as the Holy Spirit showing it to you, would you just simply say, Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for allowing me to come.